Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Almighty God, thank you for a chance to be in your house this morning to worship you. We open our hearts and our minds. We ask, Father, that you would come and speak to us. Lord, may your spirit be at work as we listen and as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 14. Now last week... If you weren't here, just to give you a heads up, we started talking about Saul. Saul was a king in Israel, and Saul was actually the first king of Israel. And God had offered to change Saul, to to make Saul the leader he needed to be. Saul wasn't a leader. He didn't grow up in leadership. He didn't go to leadership conferences. He, He knew nothing about leadership, but God picked him out and because of his gifts, and God offered to give him the gifts he needed to lead the way he needed to lead. But Saul decided to end up doing things his own way. And when he started doing things his own way, then his leadership capabilities began to fall apart. And he he finds himself in a situation here in this morning's passage where his army is facing off against the massive Philistine army. And, And he's finding himself struggling with what to do next. Now what do I do? You ever been in that situation where, where you're facing maybe a number of different decisions or, or people are, are attacking you or you're trying to figure out what, what am I supposed to do next? Some of you just graduated from high school or from college and you're sitting there saying, okay, now what do I do? Well, I got good news for you this morning. I believe that God has a plan for your life and God has a desire for your life. And and if you would open your heart to him this morning, I believe he's going to help you move in the direction that will transform you and and cause you to experience him in a very powerful way this morning. Saul is unable to do anything. Saul has a son named Jonathan. Jonathan is not so stuck as his dad is because Jonathan has a different faith at the moment than his dad. So if you'd look with me, Beginning at verse 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all you have in mind to do, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan said, Come then, we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. And the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. 
at that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. So this morning, we're talking about moving up. Um, Dan was right uh, that uh, countdown timer uh, was the old uh, Jefferson's uh, theme song, in case you don't remember the Jeffersons. And, and they were moving on up. They, uh, they had finally uh, got a piece of the pie, as the song said. Uh, they had finally got enough money that they could move to the east side. Now, I don't know where the east side is, and, and I don't remember that much about the show. But it was kind of that moment where they said, yeah, we've made it. You know, we, we finally got where we wanted to be all these years, and of course the whole show is about the fact that, yeah, they're there, but people are people whether you're there or somewhere else, and the cultures may clash and all that stuff, but you don't really make it just by getting to the east side. Uh, This morning we want to talk about moving up spiritually, because it's way too easy uh, to get stuck where we are in our spiritual life. It's way too easy just to stand where we are and not keep moving You see, I believe that that we are too quickly caught in a state of inertia. And I want to share with you the definition of inertia, and I have to put my glasses on to do that uh, because I want to get it right. Some of you know what inertia is, but uh, from a a physical standpoint, if you're a scientist, uh, what you get is that uh, inertia is a property of matter by which it continues in its existing state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line unless that state is changed by an outside force. So in other words, inertia is if it's just sitting where it is or if it's constantly moving in the same direction and it's not forced by any other outside force, it's going to be in a state of inertia. It's going to be either going the same direction it's always gone or it's going to be sitting still and not moving at all. Unless, of course, an outside force comes and moves it, at which point it will no longer be in a state of inertia. Now, uh, that's, that's for things, okay? But the truth of the matter is people can be in a state of inertia, can't they? And, and uh, in, in, this, in, in this instance, the, the definition would be a tendency to do nothing or remain unchanged. That's inertia, And I think we see often in our lives that we get in a state of not just physical inertia, the old couch potato thing, uh, but we can also get in a state of spiritual inertia, where we're just going to stay where we are because it's comfortable or because we don't want to... We say in our, in our minds, we don't want to change. But the truth of the matter is, you and I both know that we want something more. We want something. We're not good with just where we're at. We want something more. And if you don't want something more, let me encourage you, God has something more for you. And so I encourage you to to take that step because here's what happens. If you stay in a state of spiritual inertia, you'll find yourself dying spiritually. 
You'll find yourself dying spiritually. Uh, James says this, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Or some translations say dead. Later on he says, it's true, you can see it. If you don't put your faith to work, if you don't move spiritually, if you don't actually take your faith and begin to experience what God is doing, then you might as well be spiritually dead. And so this morning, we want to look and see how we can move spiritually so that we don't get stuck where we are, so that we can keep moving up in our faith, moving closer to God, getting more in touch with God, beginning to experience God in ways we never expected because we were willing to step out in faith. And we see that this morning in Jonathan's life. Now, we see the inertia in King Saul's life, don't we? Because if you look at at poor Saul, I mean, he's stuck. And he's in a bad place, folks. I I don't want to be too harsh on King Saul. If you read back a few chapters, you discover that, that King Saul had 600 men. And according to his own scouts, the Philistines had soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. I mean, Saul is in a tough spot. He's got next to nothing. Furthermore, if you read, you'll discover that they only had two steel weapons in the whole army. Now, steel was the weapon of choice of that day. And the only people who had any weapons at all that were made of steel were Jonathan, Saul's son, and King Saul. Two steel weapons. The Philistines had chariots and horses, and they were the superpower of the day. The Israelites had no hope whatsoever. And up till now, Saul was thinking, well, God has called me to lead these people. There's hope. We can do this. And all of a sudden, he gets to a point where he looks at how many people he has and how many people they have, and he says, this is not going to happen. Now, before he had great faith that it could happen, now all of a sudden it's not going to happen. You know what happened? You see, Samuel, the, the, the prophet of the day, had told Saul that he was going to meet him at Gilgal and they would sacrifice unto God and discover God's plan for, for the army of Israel. Saul started looking around, saw the odds, got got scared and decided, and Samuel didn't come when he thought he should come, he decided he was going to step ahead of this plan and get this over with so that they could better muster an army. And so he went ahead and sacrificed to God before Samuel ever showed up. Now, I, I want to stop just a minute there because I believe sometimes we find ourselves in spiritual inertia because we've decided we've got a better plan. There's a better way. And so we start moving out on our own plan and our own way. And it's not God's plan and it's not God's way. And all of a sudden we find ourselves out on a limb and we're saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? And God's like, well, you got yourself out there. Look around a minute. And and because that relationship begins to be severed between God and ourselves, all of a sudden we begin to say, okay, now I don't know what to do. And we find ourselves in a state of inertia. This is what happens to Saul. But Saul's lucky because, you see, his son isn't in that state. 
His son has decided that they can go on, that they can move up. And I think there's some some lessons in here we can learn from Jonathan that will help us out. By the way, that's a Philistine. Doesn't he look good? That's what they're up against. So Jonathan says, hey, I think we can move up. So what Jonathan does is he grabs, he grabs his buddy. He grabs his armor bearer and he says, listen, uh, I'm going to go up. And the armor bearer says, if you're going to go up, I'm going to go up. We're in this together. Now, why is this important? Well, because when you are facing a struggle or a decision in Christ, you need a buddy. You need a spiritual buddy. As a matter of fact, I believe that all Christians need a spiritual buddy. When I used to go to camp back in the day, uh, years ago, um, we used to have to have a buddy, right? Anybody, anybody remember this? Raise your hand if you remember this. Boy, not many of you. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> I have good memories of camp myself. <laughs> but... Uh, I remember, so, so we get ready to go swimming, right? And the first thing this, the, the waterfront director would say, they'd get us all up on the beach and give us the rules, right? Because you always need the rules. When you're going to go in the water, you want rules. Because if you don't have rules, somebody's going to drown, right? You say, no, uh-uh. See, some of, you, some of you have a hard time with rules because you're like, no, no, no. I, I make my own rules, okay? Well, you tell me, you do that at the waterfront. You say that to the waterfront director. What's the waterfront director say? Yeah, you, you want to make your own rules? You can sit over there on the beach. Because the truth of the matter is, in order to be safe and have a great time in the water, you need to follow the rules. Our world says, oh, you shouldn't have to follow your rules. Do your own thing. Well, I hate to tell you, you do your own thing, you're going to find yourself in the same problem you would find if you're going into the water and going to do your own thing. So the waterfront director says, everybody needs a buddy, Right? And so you pair up, and I hated that part because I was the nerdy kid. And nobody wanted to be the buddy of the nerdy kid. So at the end of the day, there was some poor, wretched guy that would have to say, okay, I'll be your buddy. I'd say, gee, thanks. Now, what I want you to hear is that spiritually, we need buddies. We need someone that we can throw our ideas out across, that we can hold each other accountable, that we can say, hey, listen, uh, as Jonathan Swordbearer said, I'm with you. What did he say? What did he say? Heart and soul. Yes, I'm with you 100%. We're in this together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christianity is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. It's not something you say, well, I can be a Christian all by myself. Well, you can be, but you're going to find yourself in a whole heap of trouble because you're going to run into situations and problems and, 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 and times when your faith could really expand, but because you don't have a spiritual buddy, you're out there by yourself. You need someone that you can, can hang on to, that, you can, that has the same heart and soul that you have. You can say, hey, listen, talk to me. This is what I'm thinking. What do you hear from God? I, what do you hear from God? The armor bearer says, I hear exactly what you hear, Jonathan. We're on our way. Let's go together. 
And so they go together. Now I want you to notice that this picture has three in it. Did you notice that? Has three in it. There's a purpose for that. Because you see, if you have a spiritual buddy, there are three of you. Now you say, well, wait a minute, how's that work? If there's one of me and one of them, that's two. But the truth of the matter is, where two or more are gathered, what, what's the scripture say? The Lord is in their midst. So you end up with three. And the neat thing about three is that Ecclesiastes tells us that a three-strand cord is not easily broken. You've got to have a buddy. You've got to have someone that you can bang off of. You've got to have someone that you can pray f- together with. Someone that you can spiritually grow with. Look for a spiritual buddy. A spiritual connection. You say, well, I don't really know anybody uh, that, that has the same heart and soul as I do. Well, okay, come to church on a regular basis and every Sunday talk to somebody else. Talk to somebody else. Don't talk to the same people. Talk to somebody else. If you talk to a visitor, praise God. If it's a first-time attender, that'd be the best thing because that might be your spiritual buddy right there. Came for the first time. And all of a sudden, you're connected. And you'll know. It's amazing how I have it. You'll know. You say, hey, this person, this person has the same heart and soul as I have. Spiritual buddies, important stuff. I've hit that enough. Uh, And so we're moving up and we need to have a buddy. The second thing I see in this passage that really helps us move up is that we need to uh, remember that God is able. That that all things are possible with God. That, That God can do it. God can make it happen. I love the way Jonathan reaffirms over and over again his faith. Did you notice what he said there? He said, if God... He says, um, perhaps the Lord will act on, in our behalf. Nothing can... Listen to this, folks. This is good stuff. You, you just read through it. Listen, this is powerful stuff. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many... Or by few. You see, he's been listening to, to his dad. And his old man is saying, man, look at all those. And we only have 300. Or 600. I'm sorry. We only have 600. See, I cut it in half because it doesn't matter, does it? No, you were thinking of the truth, I'm thinking of the movie. <laughs> Kenny, you're thinking of the movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah so, so we have this, this whole thing. Jonathan is realizing, hey, if God is who God says God is, then it doesn't matter whether there are few of us or many of us, we still will see the victory if, the, if God is in it. You see, the, the truth of the matter is, we often look at our circumstances and try to judge whether God is able based on our circumstances. We need to start by saying, who really is God? Is God, if God is able, then we can trust Him in it. Jonathan goes on. He says, okay, he says, let's, let's try this. Uh, we'll go out there and, and we'll, we'll what, what we usually say, we'll put out the fleas. He says, we'll show ourselves. And if they say come up, we'll come up. And, and if they don't say come up, we won't come up. But if they say come up, we know that God has given us the victory. Okay, so what he's done is he said, okay, God, here's the thing. If this, is, if this happens, then we'll know that you're telling us to do this, and we're going to do it. When Gideon faced a struggle like this, Gideon was a judge many years before Saul and David show up. Gideon had, had a situation where God was calling him to lead the people, and, 
And Gideon was, was concerned as well. So Gideon says, well, well God, I'll, I'll do this. I'll put the, Gideon was a sheep, sheep farmer. And so he said, I'll put the fleece out on the floor, on the ground. And in the morning, if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, okay, then I'll know that this is what you want me to do. So he got up in the morning, and I love this. He, he gets up in the morning. Sorry. Stop it. That's my phone. Don't you love it? <laughs> I know, isn't that bad? How rude. Wish people would turn off their cell phones. <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay. How do you go from here? Uh, <clears throat> So Gideon, Gideon says, uh, so Gideon gets up in the morning. Sure enough, the fleece was wet and the ground was dry, but Gideon's been thinking all night, you see. And he started thinking about it. He said, well, this is kind of a stupid test because if the fleece is wet, obviously if there's dew, the fleece is going to get wet and the ground might dry up quickly, but the fleece is going to, and sure enough, the fleece was wet. So he's, he comes back to God and he says, well, God, that was a dumb test. Let me try something else. And he says to God, he says, listen, so, so tomorrow morning, God, if this is really what you want, then what I'm going to do, I'm going to put the same fleece back out, and in the morning, if the fleece is dry and the ground is wet, then I'll know it's you. And sure enough, the next morning, uh, well, and, and I have this right here, he said, do not be angry with me, I love it. Let me just, let me make just one more request, allow one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry, and the ground was covered with dew. And at that point, Gideon knew. Gideon knew. Okay. I want you to hear what Jonathan says. Jonathan says, okay, if when we show ourselves, they tell us to come up, we'll know. We'll know. You see, he's affirmed his faith that God is able. And then he says, not only is God able, but if this happens, I'll know that this is God's will and I'll go with it. Have you ever done that? Some people say, no, the Bible says don't put the Lord your God to the test. You're not putting the Lord your God to the test. You're putting your trust in God. You're saying, here it is, God. Show me. I, I just want to know. I want to know from you. Now, if you're not a believer, don't do this. because what, then, then you're trying to see, okay, God, if you're really real, don't go there. You can, you can say to God, if you're really real, show yourself to me, and he will. I guarantee you he will. As long as you open your heart, he'll show you. But if you're a believer and you're having a struggle and you're finding yourself in spiritual inertia and you're facing impossible odds and you've broken that relationship with God and you want to get it right again, then you begin to say, okay, God, here I am. I'm going to put my trust in you. Say it out loud. Put your trust in him. And then say, okay, Lord, this is the direction I'm going to go. If this is what you want me to do, show me. Make it clear. And don't... We, we, always, we always talk to God in, in, uh, in ways so that he, he can't be proven wrong. Have you ever noticed that? We do that a lot. When we pray for people, we do that a lot, right? So if you pray for someone, uh, you say, okay, Lord, um, I, I'm going to pray for so-and-so that, that you're, you would touch them and heal them if maybe you would want to, perhaps, if you could, would you maybe please? I, I mean, we don't say all that, 
But that's what's going through our minds, isn't it? Okay? God is calling us to be honest and open with Him. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I pray that God would heal people, He doesn't heal them the way I want Him to heal them. Okay? But I have learned that if I really want to see God at work, I have to be specific with my prayers. I can't mamby-pamby God. Soft pedal Him. God's not a soft peddler. Throw it out there. God, if you're going to do it, do it. And when He does it... Grab hold of it and say, yes, that's exactly what I said. You know, when, when the, I love it when the Philistines see him and say, come on up here. What, what's the first thing Jonathan says? He turns to his armor bearer and he says, that's it. God's given us the victory. Let's go. Some of you would have said, well, let's try it a couple more times. Or, you, you know, he called us up. And that's what we asked him to do, but... But, but let, let's, maybe, let's maybe try it the other way for a few times. You know, we, we begin to, to question, and the question isn't, listen very carefully, the question isn't, should I do it? The question is, does God really answer my prayer? That's the real question. We need to reaffirm our faith. You ask for a sign, God says, there it is. How much clearer can it get? I, you know, how much clearer can it get? You see, God is able. God is able. All things are possible with God. That's where we need to start. We need to reaffirm our faith. We need a buddy, but we need to reaffirm our faith. And that's why a buddy comes in handy, because you can reaffirm your faith with each other. Oh, yeah, that's the way it works. Now, if you're not a believer, it's really got to start with you proclaiming who Jesus really is. You've got to get to that point where you believe. And the Scripture says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might be saved, not could be saved. You will be saved. It's very clear. If you would really believe that Jesus is your Lord, proclaim it. And if you would... Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that God has the power, that God is able. You see, that's the key that this all hinges on. If God can raise the dead, then nothing is impossible for God. He could even change your life. He could even move you closer to him. He could even make you effective in his kingdom. He could even use you in a powerful way to overcome all the armies of evil that surround you. But you have to believe. The disciples once uh, were talking to Jesus and they were confused because they thought all the rich people made it into heaven. <laughs> and, God, and Jesus said to them, no, actually it's harder for rich people to get into heaven. <laughs> and they were like, what? what do you mean? I mean, obviously they're blessed by God. They're rich. <laughs> and Jesus said, no, that's not the way it works. As a matter of fact, he said, it's, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven and they were amazed. And Jesus said this, and he wanted them to be very clear about this point. Listen very carefully. With man, this is impossible. But with God, what things? All things are possible. All things are possible. So here, here's the, the dilemma, right? The question is, do we really believe that all things are possible? 
It's one thing to buddy up, but if we, if we buddy up and we don't have strong faith, uh, we're going to find ourselves faltering. We won't be moving up. If we reaffirm our faith, we'll see us move up. Last thing is, I want you to note, and we're way over time, so I just want to get through this real quickly, but this, this is probably the easiest part, right? So he buddies up, and he, he makes his faith statement. What has to happen next? Yeah, you've you got to actually do it, right? Now, here, here's the problem, folks, because frequently what happens in our lives is we look and we say, okay, I believe God can, and i got my friend here, but, you know, that's an awful steep climb, and after all, when we get to the top, we're going to face the enemy. So we back off. We say, well... Um, Let's see, what else can I do? I'll go to church again and ask God again. Or I'll keep going to church and maybe God will step in and miraculously it'll happen. Now, sometimes God does that. That's awesome. But more often than not, God calls us to take the first step. When the Israelites were going into the promised land, they were finally going into the promised land. They came to the Jordan River, and they happened to come to the Jordan River when it was at its peak. I mean, we're talking, it's a long way across, and it's deep, and it's flowing fast. They've got women and children, they've got, hor- or they've got uh, cattle, and they've got uh, wagons, and they've got all this stuff, and they've got to get across this river. And, and so uh, some of them were saying, hey, let's go upriver, and maybe we can find a place where it's not so deep, not so fast, not so thick. And, and then other people were saying, well, maybe we just need to camp here and wait for God to do something. But God specifically said, this is what I want you to do. I want the priests, the leaders, to walk out into the water first, carrying the Ark of the Covenant And when they stepped in the water, folks, not until they stepped in the water did the water back up. You see, you have to take that step. Saul missed it. God had even said to Saul, listen, Saul, he said, this is all you have to do. He said, look and see whatever your hand finds to do. Do it, for God is with you. Step out. Do something. Don't just sit there. Do something. If you find your faith not growing, step out in faith. Do something. The problem is you're afraid because you know it's dangerous or it looks too difficult. Good. <laughs> that means you're on the right path. <laughs> People used to say, uh, I try to get them not to say this anymore, but they used to say, well, you know if you're in the middle of God's will, if you're finding perfect peace. Now, there's some truth to that, but, but the fact of the matter, I've found that when I'm really in the center of God's will, I'm finding myself in one of the most difficult situations with the most danger fraught ahead. And as I step out in faith, yeah, I could have peace in that moment, but it's only then that I see God get the victory. You see, some of you have been sitting on the fence for a long time. And and you say, okay, yeah, I believe in God. And you may even have a good number of Christian friends. But the truth of the matter is you'll never experience God unless you take that first step. And you say, I want to follow God. 
you're going to find yourself in a state of spiritual inertia. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've been sitting on the sidelines, how do you call yourself a follower? You know, it's kind of funny. If you're actually following, you've got to be moving, don't you? Because as long as you stand there, you're not moving, you're not following. The struggle is, in order to follow Jesus, you have to believe in him and have faith. And this morning, that's what Jesus is calling us all to. It's time to step out. It's time to grab hold of what God said He is and who He is and put our trust in Him. It's time to stop standing back. It's time to be a leader. There are places in this church where God is calling people to lead, to step out, and they back up, and they have all kinds of reasons. Praise God for your reasons. This morning, throw the reasons away and say, listen, God's calling me. I'm going to follow him. He may be calling you to full-time Christian ministry. You, you may have just graduated from high school, and you thought, well, I, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to just sit back here for a while and, and see what happens. Let me encourage you. Don't sit back. Grab hold of the reins. If God's calling you to full-time Christian ministry, go. I'm begging you because I tell you, I didn't. <laughs> I said, I'm backing off. I'm going to do my own thing. I found myself in a state of spiritual inertia. It wasn't until I finally said, okay, God, this is the direction I'm going. And it was hard. Greek isn't easy. Hebrew's worse. (laughs) Uh, uh, Things were not as easy as I thought they would. But when I stepped into His will, I began to see Him work in the lives of other human beings, and it changed my life even more. God wants to use you in that way. He doesn't want you just to sit around and exist. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Won't you say yes to Jesus? Won't you follow him? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive us for being like Saul, for feeling unprepared, seeing all the opposition. Forgive us, Lord, for for not doing it your way and expecting your blessing. And then wondering why we we can't make a decision for you. This morning, Lord Jesus, we pray that you change us. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch our hearts, that we would make that step of faith that we would begin to see you work in our lives. Lord Jesus, even this morning, as the invitation is given, we're, we're scared, we're conflicted, but we need you, and we know you are able. Give us the courage this morning to step out in faith. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you...